0: Good morning, Mary Methodist. My name is Mario Crisp, and today I'll be reading out of 1 Corinthians. For we are co workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. For each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved even though only as one escaping through the flames. The second passage comes out of John 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the, Lord, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. If you are my friends, you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made, no- made known to you. All right, let's bow our heads and pray for David. Dear Lord, I thank you for bringing us all here today, even though it's online. Lord, I pray for David and the words that you have prepared for him. I pray that you give him confidence and strength to prepare to deliver these words. Lord, I pray that you open our hearts and our ears for what David has to say. And I pray that we leave this sermon changed and moved through you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Good morning, Mary Methodist. My name is David Ost. I'm your summer ministry intern this year, and what a blessing it has been. Even though we haven't been able to come together as a church, I am so very grateful for this congregation and the leaders giving me this opportunity to be the intern. Even though um, I'm the intern during this COVID-19 crisis, I unfortunately haven't been able to see a lot of you, but that's OK. Oftentimes, I look back over my lives, and, and I'm just in complete shock and awe of how God has gotten me to get into this place right now, standing before you, looking and talking to a camera, and you listening to me and watching on whatever screen you may be watching me from. Now, never in my life did I really think that I would be doing, like, public speaking of any sort. When I was, when I was little, I, uh, I had a speech impediment as a child— so I really didn't think I would be doing this at all And definitely wouldn't, be, definitely wouldn't think that I would want to be doing this for my future job I also struggled uh, and was diagnosed with ADHD Never thinking I was going to amount to much Not thinking I was smart or intelligent enough So I never thought I would be used for the kingdom of heaven And have, and have an impact on those around me But God had different plans for me my parents, who loved me with all their heart, took my sisters and I to church every Sunday, planting that that seed of faith deep down in me. And that seed wasn't watered, I don't think, until sometime in high school, uh, when my grandfather passed away, and and I first encountered Jesus. And I don't think that that seed actually sprouted until sometime my my sophomore year in college, when. When I, uh, when I accepted Christ in my life I accepted him at my college When it's called the Salt Company At the University of Iowa And I now see that God is calling me To partake in his mission To make his name known In many different ways And in different facets of my life Through it all God was orchestrating my life To eventually lead me to him But here's the thing He was using those that love him To in turn love me, my family My friends who I met at this college ministry Who I would consider some of my best friends They helped me through life Loved me even when I made it difficult And I, I really made it difficult on them But nonetheless, God used them and many others To change my desires from worldly desires To heavenly desires And God is doing the same thing with you He's sending you out Surrounding you with people who so desperately need Jesus. This is his mission. And this, this concept of mission is what we'll be talking about today. This is the mission that he has, he has made known to you, to us, giving you a new heart, a heart that loves God, and a heart that, that drives you to do the mission of God. You see, your love for God will drive you to do the mission of God. Let me say that again. Your love for God will drive you to do the mission of God. This mission is how God is using you, sending you out into the world to proclaim the gospel and serve those around you for the glory of God to fulfill his mission. It's God sending you out as a disciple to make more disciples. It's God sending you out into this city to help the hurting, serve the starving, and love the unlovable. So my goal today, in light of what Mario just read, I want to see how we are able to fulfill this mission, how it starts, where it goes, and the implications that come with it. Now, let me first add that when we're talking about missions, we're not, we're not talking about overseas missions, although that's, that's very important. But what I'm trying to talk about today is how we can make the greatest impact for the kingdom of God in our day-to-day lives in Marion and the cities around it. So, in order for us to live out the mission, one must first be connected to Christ. In order to proclaim the gospel, in order to serve others, one must first be connected to Christ. This is exactly what John 15 just told us. So, so what we have here is Jesus talking about the vine and the branches. On one hand, you have the branches who who represent us, and on the other hand, you have Jesus who, who is the vine. He is the true vine. And what this passage says is if we abide in Christ, we will be fruitful. Whoever abides in in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. If you abide in Jesus, he abides in you. But what does it even mean to abide in Christ? It It means to be united with Christ, to be connected to Christ, like a branch is connected to the vine, to the true vine. It's experiencing the riches of Christ through prayer, through Bible reading and meditation, so on and so forth. This abiding in Christ will grow your love for God to do the mission of God. And when you abide in Christ, you will become fruitful. Now, what does it mean to, now what does it mean to be fruitful? Does it mean we're, we're all going to have an awesome life? Everyone, we're going to have health and wealth, and we're just going to be happy, and everyone's just going to love us? Well, no, it doesn't mean that. And Paul is going to say it like this in Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, joy peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the fruits that show that you are a disciple of Jesus. It says it right in verse 8, for this is my father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. You see, the fruit that you bear is evidence that you follow Jesus, that, that you are a disciple of Jesus. But this fruit won't become evident until you start to love Jesus, until you start to abide in him. And, and you can see this in verse 8 and on. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now this part of the text is fairly confusing. I think oftentimes we get this wrong literally all the time. We go and we read this text and we say, okay, if I, if I obey his commands— then, then I'll be able to abide in his love. But that's, that's not what this just said. That's not what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is saying is, if you abide in my love, then you'll obey my commands. So it's not obey my commands and you'll love me, but as you grow in your love for me, then you'll start to obey my commands. Now, when we get this backwards, you totally enslave yourself to this, to, and step outside of this box of true Christian thinking, of this true Christian faith. This true Christian faith is not do so that you might be approved, but it's love. So therefore you'll do. This love that God, that you now have, will make you do the mission of God. Your love for God will drive you to do the mission of God. So now, now what we are seeing these last these last few verses is what, is what I'm called to is, to is to work on and to grow in my love for Jesus Christ. And that in turn will affect my obedience. Not to work on my obedience so that I can love, but to love so that I can straighten out my disobedience. To work on growing my capacity to love the Lord empowers and fuels my obedience. So loving Jesus in obedience will help you spend your time and efforts in giving yourself over to a life of serving Christ. I'll say that again. Loving Jesus in obedience will help you spend your time and efforts into giving yourself over to a life of serving Christ. Your love for God will drive and fuel you to do the mission of God. What is so reassuring about this idea of being able to serve Christ is that you won't be doing it alone. It says in 1 Corinthians 3 9, for we are co workers in God's service. What this means is that God is not doing everything on his own, although he very well could without our help. He could very well do this all on, all on his own. But God has chosen us to be his co worker to help move the gospel forward by planting seeds into the people around us. That's our job now. You see, God is the one who grows the crops, but he sends us out into his field, into his cities, to plant seeds of faith among his people, among the people that we interact with day to day. But God is the one who causes the gospel to take root and grow in them, bringing them to faith in Christ and eternal life. But how, do, how do we plant these seeds? How do we serve God and love God in order to do his mission? And Paul says this, you serve by laying the foundation upon Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the only foundation we can build upon. There should be no other foundation. In fact, it's impossible, it's impossible to build on any other foundation. The effort will be useless. It's not worth it. What do I mean by that? What do I mean by useless? Look at verses 12 through 13. It mentions different building materials gold, silver, costly stones and on the other hand you have wood, hay and straw. And what these three are is like saying you're living for God but you're you're doing it for your own profit, for your own honor, for for your own comfort and not to glorify God. And Paul talks about how each of these materials will be tested with fire. Do you think that gold, silver and stones will be burned down or wood, hay and straw? Your effort to advance the gospel and serve those for the glory of God Is like building a house with gold, silver, and stones It it cannot be burned down The The way you serve will have significant implications for the kingdom of heaven If you're serving without the intention of making Christ known in your works It's like building a house or a building With wood, straw, and hay It will burn and the black smoke will rise and eventually disappear into the air. And the ash, the ash will dissolve into the ground, and there will be no change, no evidence, and no impact seen on making Christ known. Your efforts were useless. What you did Meant nothing Are we not to live our lives Only to point others to Christ In the way we serve if The way we live and the things we say Does your lifestyle Clearly show that Christ dwells inside Of you because when you abide in Christ And Christ abides in you Your fruit that Christ born you will become Evident in your outward actions your love for those around you will make it evident that Christ dwells in you. Your, your fruit that Christ bore in you will become evident in your outward actions. You'll, you'll start to share the gospel, invite people to church, help the hurting, serve the starving, and love the unlovable, all for the glory of God to make His name known. And these actions, ones that are for God, will be, will be built out of quality materials. The fire, the testing, Will show that your motives For the things that you do in this life Were always for God You glorified God In the way you lived out your life As a disciple As someone who loved and abided in him You loved other people Helped other people And ultimately showed why you were doing it For your heavenly father To make his name known Among the people around you At work, at school, at sporting events At restaurants, at these places You demonstrated Lo- Jesus' love for sinners by how you live, why you live, and who you are living for. This, this, this is what the Christian life is all about. When God saves us into a life of us constantly growing in love for him that totally encompasses our entire being, that we love God with all of our heart, with all of our strength, and with all of our mind, this is what God is up to. Changing us so that we may start to change the world through love. Our love for God will drive us to do the mission of God. So when the Sadducees come to Jesus and ask him, what's it all about? What's this Christian life all about? What does he say? That you would love, that you would love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength and with all your soul. This is the great commandment. You want to know what it's all about? It's not about this subset of the law. It's not about this subset of the law. It's not about just being a a morally good person. It's about your heart growing into affection for Jesus Christ so that you will realize who you are and who you are becoming. A co-worker of God, a vine, a branch that is always connected to the true vine, and a follower of the one true king. Our affection for Jesus should be ever-increasing as we grow in our knowledge of him. As we grow in community with one another Because we stayed connected to the one true vine Jesus Christ You see if we are growing our affection for Jesus Growing our love for for God That in turn will increase our love and affection For our neighbors And for our city And what does our life look like because of this Well, Well we are then disciple makers Sent out by God to point people to him That means what you are, what I am primarily in our relationship, our connection with the true vine is a disciple maker. This is what we do when our affection for Jesus grows. When our love for Jesus grows because of our connection with him, we make disciples. People that love him. We as humans talk about what we love all the time, right? And I'll tell you what I love. Now, here's the thing. I was straight up say, it. I'm a dork. Um, if you bet me, and we kind of get to know each other, you'll probably just be like, ah, this, this man, this man's a dork. He's a lovable dork, but he, but he's a dork, and I mean, here's the thing. I love history, and actually, I kind of love reading about dead people. Um Yeah, I'm a dork. It's kind of weird, uh, but that's me, and not just like Random dead people, not like ghost stories But I'm talking about Puritans of the Christian faith Like George Whitfield, John Wesley um, Jonathan Edwards, John Calvin All those people that, that laid a foundation Who had a, who had a burning desire to, to, bring, to bring the word of God To those who, who do not know him And they had a fire within them That, that spread through cities and towns Everywhere they went Every time I read it, I have that same desire I just want to burst out of my house and just share the gospel with people I'm, I'm just on fire for God I'm, I'm just a big old dork that's on fire for God and, and like some of us, I mean some of us love sports And so if you love sports, you talk about sports Some of us love Seinfeld So, so you'll talk about Seinfeld And if you love food, then you'll talk about food I'm also guilty of that I love food and if, if you love Jesus, you will walk and talk as if you love Jesus. What if by God's grace we truly lived and embodied what it means to love Jesus? What if, what if we actually turn and grab hold of this idea of how to love Jesus? What, what if we said, you know what, I, w- I want to grab hold. I want to I own as best I can. I want to grab hold of this increasing mind and heart of, 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 of that loves God. I want to turn and grab it. I, wanna, I want to point I want the point of my life not to be success, not to be health or wealth or this thing or that thing. I want, the, I want the point of my life just to love God and everything, just with everything in me, I'm going to shape my life around that. It's asking yourself, how can I be the man or the woman that when people look at me, they say, man, that person loves Jesus. Well, if you just embrace this way of living that you're going to create and inform your life to love him? What would, it, what would happen if I did that, if, if you did that? What would happen if our church, what would our church look like? What, what would our life look like if we just embraced it and then embodied it? What would it, what would it be like if everywhere you went, maybe it's your job or at your kid's uh, baseball game or at your kid's soccer game? Or wherever you, it may be. What if in that, what everybody knew about you was, hey man, say what you want about that person, but dang, they sure do love Jesus. What would it be like? What would it be like for us if we just would just be, become captivated for the beauty of Jesus? What a beautiful picture. That our life can so resemble a life bent on the mission of God that those around us take notice and change begins to happen in not only our life, but in the lives of those around us. All because we became captivated for the beauty of and love of Jesus, and what He did for us. That day on Calvary Hill, nails were driven into the most innocent man they, into the most innocent man who ever walked the earth, Jesus Christ, who willingly went to the cross to die the death that we deserved, and pay the punishment for our sins upon Him. Eventually, letting out His final breath, it is finished being buried in a tomb just to rise 3 days later in victory over sin and death so that we may have eternal life with him brothers and sisters let the love of this beautiful gospel point you to love Jesus and drive you to do the mission of God let's pray heavenly father i uh, want to thank you for this wonderful wor- for this wonderful word that you you gave us that we could mull it over and talk about it and just meditate on it Lord and Father as, as we go out among this city among, among this state I ask that you that you change our hearts uh, uh, change our hearts to desire to fulfill your mission change our hearts to just want to follow you with everything that we have that, just to grasp it God change our lives sharing the gospel serving others that need it God I pray that you change our hearts to be more like that, Lord. In your heavenly name, I pray. Amen. So as we move to the conclusion of our service, I ask that you consider the ways that you can support the ministries of Mary Methodist.